Having spent 14 years in the corporate jungle with IT behemoths like IBM, SAP, Wipro, and GBM in Dubai, and the last five building IT and non-IT startups as a first-generation entrepreneur, Brainbox is a podcast that is focused around leadership. I will be interviewing very successful people on the show in an honest, unscripted chat, so we can learn from the experiences and gain valuable insights. I'm Kaushik Bose, and welcome to the Brainbox. I have with me on the show today Pranav Sangvi, who's a prolific investor. He's the managing partner at Dotin Network, principal at Mab's family office, and managing partner at Petronas. A very warm welcome to the show, Pranav. Thanks, Kaushik. Thanks very much for having me. So I've been in the startup world for about five years now, and I've met quite a few investors during this time. Uh, unsurprisingly, if I may add. But what I haven't seen is an investor who's a DJ, a music producer, and even an electronic music production designer. I believe you also spent close to a decade in that space, right? The music industry, including running a training academy. So, how was that experience, and how was the transformation from there to here? Sure, absolutely. I I get that quite a lot. Uh, in fact, it's quite a paradigm shift from uh, you know music to to of course venture capital, uh, but. you know that was equally entrepreneurial if if not more uh, of course you know we started out uh, you know as a passion we, we started our career with having won uh, a music competition we won this competition that allowed us to play an opening set at one of the largest festivals in india so i think we took our chances uh, saw that uh, you know sort of cultivating into something larger and you know mm-hmm. before we knew it we were you know playing a bunch of music fest in places for different shows great experience also spent some time teaching students at an academy uh, yeah you know uh, that was also very very enriching that experience so i think it's been great while it lasted had had an amazing time i think also met some really interesting people so i'm an idm fan myself and interestingly india has moved a bit from bollywood songs to probably hindi and punjabi pop music but EDM is nowhere close to the acceptance rate that you find in countries, especially like Eastern Europe or probably Europe in general. Uh, so, what do you think? I mean, why is this the case? Like, it's the go-to music in any kind of a discotheque or something over there. But why is that uh, not happening as of now in India? And do you see that happening sometime in the near future? No, of course. I think I I, I think that's that's a large misconception because, of course, dance music in India is very prominent, right? Now. like every country of course while they would have uh, you know their favorites when it comes to genres and subgenres subgenres i think dance music has always been there it's sort of been perennial right across geographies uh, you know india for that matter also has uh, some of the largest music festivals happening here we've had like a tomorrowland we've had uh, uh, you know an edc and we have some you know local giants as well when it comes to music festivals so i think dance music as a concept isn't nascent uh, it it it's there pretty much in the culture but of course when you compare it to regional music there's a long way to go also i think it's going to take it it's going to take a while until we can at least establish parity between these kind of genres because of course regional music uh, is always going to is always going to have uh, you know front way when it comes to people's uh, music choices but that being said uh you see some really good house music shows you see some great uh, uh you know techno gigs you see some uh, uh, you know great pop concerts happening across india you see some of the largest artists within dance music you know being regulars at indian music festivals so i think it's uh, it, it's already here to stay uh 
uh, I'd, I'd say it's only going to get bigger as we keep moving forward. Sounds good. So before you entered the music industry, you also ran a digital marketing agency, am I right? And how was that experience? That's right. So uh, I think it was it was simultaneously that uh, while I was pursuing music, uh, I ran a small digital marketing agency called Reach Berry, uh, with one of my very close college friends. And uh, more than anything, I think it was a great learning experience because it was our first. Uh, it was our first trip with you know, enterprise or uh, larger business clients, right? So it taught us a great deal about how to, uh, you know, sort of present, package and, uh, uh, you know, create aesthetics around what a client wants when it comes to digital marketing. I think great learning experience. Uh, did it for a few years, established some good clients as well, until I realized that, of course, with music and uh, uh, you know, a few other things going on at the time, I wasn't able to do justice in terms of time to digital marketing. And perhaps that that injustice stemmed from, you know, lack of interest in the subject, right, from a long term perspective. And that, that, you know, that's when I decided that, look, I need to, you know, sort of put the brakes on this, because I'm not going to be able to do a good job, uh, unless I'm able to commit full time to this, right. So that, that's how it panned out. Scuba diving's been on my bucket list ever since I was Zindagi Na Milegi Dubara quite some time back. But uh, since you are a certified scuba diver, how was it and how is it really as awesome as they portray it to be? Yeah, sure. Uh, don't hate me for this, but I very recently saw this movie. Uh, uh, you know, don't as I said, don't hate me for it. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I started diving, uh, you know, before I saw the movie. And uh, I did a fun dive once when I was uh, uh, traveling southeast. I was in Indonesia and uh, uh, did a fun dive. Was very intrigued by what I saw. I think, uh, you know, it's it's one of the most serene experiences out there for people who haven't done it. Uh, of course, it's the curiosity, but for people who've done it, they'll be able to relate to this. It's, a, it's an extremely serene experience, if I can put it that way, right? Um, mm-hmm. Depending on where you dive, of course, you know, there's a plethora of different things that you're going to, uh, uh, you know, come across, right? And each dive is like a very singular experience. So, you know, each dive is going to sort of cast a different story, uh, depending again on where, how, why, and who you dive with. My first dive, as I said, was in Indonesia. It was beautiful. The next one I did was uh, in Sri Lanka. Uh, not that great an experience, but after that, I decided that I wanted to, you know, take this up a little more proactively. Uh, went to Egypt for a dive course, spent a good, uh, you know, nine to 10 days there diving. And I think I had a fantastic experience. For people who also want to dive, Egypt is uh, one of the best places in the world to dive. And not many people know about this. So, uh, you know, if, if, if you're looking at doing a course or if you're just looking at spending a few days diving, that's the place you should be. Sharmal Sheikh, right? That's right. Yeah, I, 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 I was in Sham for about, I think, eight to nine days. And uh, that, that, that actually is the number one dive spot in the world, at least mm-hmm. at the time where I visited. Now I'm not too sure, but uh, a brilliant place. I think uh, I, I resort to diving for that serenity and calm uh, you know as cliched as it sounds but brilliant experience yeah amazing amazing so let's come to your current uh, avatar now as an investor the usual perception of investors is that they receive 500 emails a day uh, usually do not have time to respond to cold emails so i was actually very pleasantly surprised when i saw your linkedin post sometime back 
uh, where you actually posted asking for founders to meet up with you in the cities that you were visiting. So uh, it's a very different kind of uh, approach you had to the entire aspect. So what drove you to reaching out to startups this way and how's the experience been so far? So Kaushik, first of all, uh, I definitely don't receive 500 emails a day because I, I, I think that misconception, probably the people who do uh, definitely wouldn't have the time to respond to such. But I think a large part of my investing experience, right, and as I continue to do this, comes from, uh, you know, my learnings out of my conversations with founders. And I think that is what I place, you know, at the helm of this whole learning curve, right? So for me, speaking with, interacting with founders, uh, especially, you know, from the early stages, gives me massive amount of perspective. Right. So, uh, which, of course, as a consequence of it becomes, you know, one of the top priorities for me, right, to speak with founders who are building something, uh, you know, sometimes in spaces that I haven't even heard of, uh, which, which, of course, adds massively to my learning curve. So, of course, I'm, 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 I, I enjoy meeting early stage builders. Uh, that being said, I thought of reaching out on LinkedIn, you know, sort of shooting a message saying, uh, look, guys, I'm here. Uh, you know, if there's any founders who are building something, irrespective of whether you're fundraising or not, still love to catch up, uh, you know, and understand. And, you know, fascinatingly, I think we got, you know, good, good amount of response from founders. When I was in Bangalore the last time, uh, met some brilliant ones, haven't really invested in them yet. But of course, uh, uh, you know, uh, actively in touch with these uh, guys, trying to, you know, sort of position ourselves to help whenever they want, right? And that being said, uh, for us also, it becomes very important to create that comfort with founders, irrespective of whether they're investing, uh, you know, in them or not, uh, just because you never know how, uh, you know, how what would turn out, right, in the future. And at that point, you'd also want to be well positioned to uh, capitalize on uh, relationships and, of course, uh, uh, you know, what you've, what you've, how you've been able to help these businesses, right? Mm-hmm. So you met us, uh, Flow Mobility as well, since you, of course, you're already an existing investor. But it was very encouraging to get an enthusiastic response from you when we met. Uh, but what really impressed me, and I'm being very candid here, was how quickly you identified with the vision and the scope in the market. So what's your investor thesis usually that you uh, continue with? Yeah, sure. With 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 Flow Mobility, of course, you know, very impressed by what the product. Uh, uh, you know what you guys were building, and of course, I think there was there was some movement in terms of business development also at your front early on, which intrigued me even further. So I think with you guys, you guys are a fascinating bunch. Lots to learn from you, and of course, your co-founders as well. So that was conviction specific to flow mobility. Uh, with regards to our investment pieces, right? Uh, you know, I think you would have got a very very uh, uh, you know well chopped out answer each time you ask an investor this so i think i'm just going to repeat the same stuff but you know at, at that cost i'll go ahead uh, i think with us the, the most important is what sector you're operating in right whether it's large enough to do justice uh you know even when you scale a business right so uh you know the sector and the area of operations is of paramount importance uh the founder and what the founder is doing and the ability to sort of be able to scale the business is what we largely look for when we're investing in early stage businesses. Uh, and this, let me tell you, is largely intuition based, right? Because there are no, uh, you know, real proven metrics to sort of uh, 
outline these points in early stage uh, and i'm talking about very early stage so this is largely intuition based um of course in addition to that uh, you know the stereotype numbers and uh, you know what the plan ahead lies for and stuff like that but another very important thing that frames a part of our thesis is you know when we evaluate our business one angle of our evaluation revolves around the fact that can we help this business or not and you know if we can in what ways can we contribute to this business to grow this business and if that answer is yes and convincing enough i think that builds even more conviction for our decision so while of course you have a bunch of stereotypes that help us evaluate uh, our decision uh, we we place considerable weightage in whether we're able to you know sort of help founders through our network so that probably might be the only unique thing you you of course have a lot of, since you have a family fund as well and you are working quite closely with angels as well so what what's the mantra that you have when it comes to hiring a uh, part of your staff or let's say when you're tying up or partnering with the angels so what would be the top 3 qualities that you look for this this is i think this is largely applicable to the dotting network right which is the closed door network that we're operating mm-hmm. uh just to give you an insight the network is a closed door network for family offices and uh, super angel investors who come together to cut these smaller checks but are willing to leverage their network and relationships to help these businesses grow so i think this question would be very apt for the dotting network uh, and i'll put this in order right the first one is the aptitude to be strategically involved right uh, let's say we we're, we're definitely not looking at angels who are you know only willing to put a check and you know have only the financially driven agenda of course that might be of paramount importance but we're also looking at people who are ready to invest and then be motivated to help the business in whatever limited way they want right uh the second one is sort of related to the first one uh you know someone who's not at the same time overly involved right like let's say in early stage you don't want someone you know uh, sitting right right at your back asking you questions every day right while i think uh, you know as an investor you should be available uh, for a founder i don't think you should be over engaging right so i think there should be a very fine balance between this so that would be the second one the third one and, and equally important one right uh, i think is the acceptance that there is always something going on beyond you know what we know right or what our skill sets or what you know where aware of right so for example there are a bunch of new spaces coming in right uh, that i'm still learning about and i think each conversation that i have with a founder in that respective space helps me build further knowledge in that space so i think if you're willing to learn right uh, and willing to accept that there is there are definitely a few things that you may not be aware of I think that would definitely make you a better or more seasoned investor over the years. The final question I have is something that many founders I'm sure would love to know. And that's the reason I saved it for the last. Uh, what are the three qualities that you probably look for in your entrepreneur? So I mean, uh, firstly I look at uh, you know whether an entrepreneur will be able to make me a lot of money or not much. <laughs> in 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 addition to that, on a serious note, right? Uh there there again are a few things I'm going to chalk out Uh, you know whatever comes to the back of my mind first uh the first one i think and this is this is you know extremely important for me is a builder's ability to take responsibility and accountability right and this is not something you see very often in early stage simply because 
founders at that stage are in the quest of you know sort of uh, silver lining everything and in the process the accountability or the responsibility might you know probably just be passed on to the next person or someone next in line right um, mm-hmm. i've met some founders who've taken accountability and responsibility from day one and i think that is uh, you know a massive point right um, the next one i think is and this this goes for me from an investor perspective as well uh, the willingness to learn and you know adopt to actually what works right so if you're if you're if you're if you're willing to learn right every new day if you're you know willing to go out there understand things that you might not know understand your weaknesses and then sort of capitalize on those weaknesses or capitalize on situations to make those weaknesses into strengths i think that is one of the biggest strengths a founder can hold right his aptitude to learn and adopt uh, i also think uh, you know another very important point is some level of honesty right and by honesty i mean you know the the the, the path to stay true to yourself and your vision right let's say you know in early stage a lot of people are buttering things up you know uh, you know putting uh, you know two different you know two different parallels together to sort of make the picture uh, you know aesthetically more uh, you know pleasing but i think it's very important while you're doing all that uh, to also realize where you actually stand right which is to stay true true to yourself and of course to your vision as well so you know along this whole way let's say a lot of people when they raise their first couple of rounds uh you know complacency sort of sets in right but that that is simply counterproductive to your vision so i think it's very important to you know align with your vision from day one and of course stay true to yourself so these these few points uh, you know come together for me would to shape up like a great entrepreneur but of course in addition to that you have some very very uh cliched aspects that you know just like everyone else i look at as well so yeah koshik that's that's what sums it up for me fantastic so thanks so much pranav for having taken the time out to join me on breakbox uh it was really great having you on the show and look forward to many more such interactions with you thanks koshik thanks a lot for having me uh pleasure being here If you like the podcast please do subscribe to the show and also our linkedin page i'm currently the chief business officer of flow mobility which is making huge strides in affordable autonomous technology and would be in your home very soon you can reach out to me on koshik@flowmobility.com or linkedin.com/in/koshik-boss